The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom. He's Travis. It's Monday night as we record, and let's go ahead and get right into it. The second LeBron era in England is over. This is rep- representation on Sunday night announced in a short press release that it's headed to the Los Angeles Lakers. Trev, uh, it's a move I think a lot of us have been kind of bracing for, but uh, now that it's happened, uh, not going to lie, man, it still hurts. Yeah, it definitely hurts a little bit. Um I'll say this, I kind of, as the discussions were going on all season, basically, we kept hearing, you know, could be going somewhere else, and we knew we knew pretty much right away he was going to opt out. Um, I don't know, I kind of told myself, you know, he won a title, he came back, he gave us four really fun, exciting years. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to be mad if he leaves. I'm going to be happy that we were able to enjoy it for what we did and kind of look forward to um, to what's coming up next and, and thank him for the time that he gave us. Um, spoiler alert, I'm a goddamn liar because <laughs> far more pissed than I thought I would be. Really? Yeah. And I don't know that it's, I don't know that clearly not anywhere in the same ballpark as last time, right? Anybody that's still holding on to that is probably just a little unhinged in general. Um, I don't know. I guess I started to buy into the whole, um, Everything he said, he always seemed to say the right thing from the day that he first came back. Um, and all indications were, uh, you know, we always hear, I'd always f- thought I'd finish my career in Cleveland. And he said, I'm not going anywhere ever again. I just want to finish up here. And always talked about how great Northeast Ohio is and how much he loves the area. And he wants to raise his family here and all that shit. And I guess I bought into it. And maybe I'm a sucker for that. But... I think it's probably time to just acknowledge that it was all pretty much just PR so he could say the right thing. He says Northeast Ohio is his home, but he doesn't want to live here. He doesn't want to be a part of Northeast Ohio anymore. So I don't. um, All right, go ahead. Finish, finish your point. No, I mean, that's pretty much it. He says what, what the fans have wanted to hear. And we've adored him for the last four years and, and sort of let bygones be bygones with the first decision. And, and truthfully, it probably should have been a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me sort of situation. You can't get fooled again, I believe, as George W. Bush would say. Um, <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't really surprise us, but I don't know. I kept buying into what he was saying, and maybe I'm a sucker for that. Well, all right. So two things. Number one, everything that he wrote in his essay in Sports Illustrated, um, as told to Lee Jenkins, uh, I think he meant what he said there. And, you know, if, if we're not, if he's not going to hold Dan Gilbert to everything that he said four years prior to him returning, I feel like it's a little unfair to hold LeBron to everything the same four years now. Um, if you, I, I, whoa, stop right there. If you ever believe a word that Dan Gilbert says, you deserve what you get plain and simple. But well, no, I mean, I, I think Dan Gilbert <laughs> met every word that he said in 2010. I think he regrets it. Um, yeah, but, agreed with that. Agreed. Uh, but anyway, you know, I, I, I think when LeBron announced he was returning here, I think he had every intention 
of riding off into the sunset here. And um, I, I think uh, a lot of the stuff that, you know, probably drove him away the first time, uh, you know, old habits die hard. I, I think there were probably some things that happened, you know, that we were not privy to. Um, and some of which we'll probably never know that ultimately probably led him to deciding that, uh, it was going to be time to, you know, move on again. Um, let me ask you this, you know, you said you, you bought into it. Did you ever, at, at what point did you think he might not actually be staying here for good? He might leave again. Cause there was a very defining moment for me with all of this that I'll, I'll get to in a minute, but I want to hear your side first. I don't know that I necessarily have a defining moment. It sort of seemed, I mean, I'm obviously, I sort of, I don't know. I sort of ignore stuff. I, I don't necessarily, I sort of always assume the best and I'm, I'm an idiot for that. Like I should, I don't know. I always think everybody wants to be on my team and they're going to, you know, when it was LeBron, it's like, maybe they can trade for this guy. It's like, no, they have no chance of trading for that person, whoever it happens to be, right? Um, so it's, I guess I don't know that there's necessarily a point I think of um, that necessarily signals it to me. I It sort of just built up and there was a certain point, I guess, probably in the last couple of days where it's like, yeah, okay, it's probably going to happen. And I don't know, but I can't put my finger on a specific instance. All right. So I think you and I have talked about this. Um, away from the podcast. I don't think I've ever told this story on here, but for me, you know, I, I initially thought, okay, he, he's going to stay here for good. And, you know, he took, you know, the contract situation with him and in his return was always interesting. It was one year and an option, one year and an option. And then in 2016, he did two years plus an option. And that one there, th- th- see this sidebar to this, you know, I saw a lot of people and a lot of writers talk about this being the decision part three, and I never really felt like that was true because if you were of the belief that he came back here to win a championship for Cleveland and that was his, his goal and that was his whole reason for returning here or the biggest reason for returning here, he made good on that in 2016 and he was free and clear to leave after that. And that was when he ended up signing. And I, I, I remember like even at the parade thinking like, well, he came back to win a title, you know, he did it, you know, he could go after this. And um, I didn't think he would, but I kind of, I was a little bit guarded. And then he signed that deal for two plus one. It was like, okay, cool. So fast forward to last year's finals. So this is 2017. It was the day of game four. Cavs were in, uh, this was game four of the finals. It was that Friday afternoon. I had gotten out of work early and I went over to the Hofbrau house because that ESPN show, The Jump, was recording over there. And I wanted to go sit in the crowd and maybe see if I could meet some uh, ESPN types and, you know, just kind of hang out and grab a beer or whatever on a Friday. And um, while he was off camera, I met Zach Lowe, who's one of my favorite writers. And he actually, you know, wanted to chat me up and get, you know, my thoughts on what I think about, you know, this whole series. And, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point. I mean, the Cavs, they were down 3-0. And, yeah, they ended up winning that night. But, I mean, it ended up being a five-game series. The uh, the gentleman's sweep, if you will. And, um, you know, I told him, I'm like, yeah, it seems pretty obvious where this is going. And uh, But, hey, uh, you know, we got LeBron. And he goes, 
yep, you do have LeBron. And I was just starting to walk away. And he goes, well, for this year anyway. And I just stopped in my tracks. And, you know, there's a lot of people that like kind of piling on Cleveland and, and pushing our buttons and trying to get Cleveland riled up, so to speak. And he's not one of those guys. And the way he said that was not to, like, try to like get a rise out of me. It was like a, Hey, you need to probably know that there's real talk uh, going on here uh, in NBA circles that uh, his days here might be numbered. And that was kind of like the first moment for me where it was like, uh Oh, um, that's not great. And, you know, I've been trying to read the tea leaves ever since. And, you know, I hate to bring up the Kyrie trade for like the millionth time on here, but, um, I go back to that and I remembered when he was re-signed back in 2014, um, you know, he was sold on this idea. You're going to be the guy and we're going to build this team around you. And I think they even had like deals in place with Gordon Hayward and Trevor Ariza and uh, all that went out the window as soon as LeBron said he was coming back. And you always heard that like, oh, Kyrie wasn't, you know, he was tired of being the second fiddle to LeBron. And I, I kind of spent this whole year wondering if like, Maybe he got the word that LeBron's planning on staying long term and, and, you know, he's never going to really get the shot to be the alpha dog here. That's why he's heading for greener pastures. Um, that was what I was clinging to anyway. And clearly, as we see it, it uh, did not pan out that way. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. We hear a lot of different sort of trade things that got floated. Um, it's hard to really tell how many of them were ever actually close. You know, like we, we always, I think there was one last year that involved Paul George and who knows why it didn't happen or if it was ever actually close to happening in the first place. And that's sort of just what happens when you have LeBron, because, you know, you're one really good player away from, you know, being considerably more competitive uh, for a title, obviously with LeBron, you're already pretty close. You're already in the picture no matter what. Um, So those rumors and stuff are going to float around. Um, I don't know how many of them are actually real, how, how close any of them actually come to becoming true. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's hard for me to look at the last four years and pinpoint a specific thing that I think, um, was the point that it became sort of, sort of guaranteed, I guess. The Kyrie thing obviously looks horrible in hindsight. They got, we were, I think, I don't know, you'll have to remind me what your take was. I was somewhat optimistic at the time when they completed the Kyrie trade that maybe they got the most they could and they had to do it. Um, they clearly got murdered in that trade. Oh, I mean, there's no question about that. that. And I mean, I really think, you know, if you had to ask me to, you know, make me pinpoint when I think things started to go off the rails, I think it was last summer. I mean, in LeBron's entire return here, that was the only summer uh, where he was not um, a free agent. He did not have the option of leaving. And in that one summer, they let their GM go, who LeBron had publicly endorsed. They traded Kyrie, who we've found out since then. He said, don't do that. Definitely don't take this deal with Boston. And they went ahead and did it. And we now know that he didn't find out about it until I think like 15 minutes before it was publicly announced. And then he also said, I want to sign, I want us to sign Jamal Crawford. And they went and used that money that they had, the limited resources that they have to bring over Jetty Osmond and everything about like what the Cavs have been doing over the last year or so has been 
safeguarding themselves for a possible LeBron departure. And, you know, here we are. I, I think he had certain ideas about the way things should be going here. And, um, you know, you kind of heard the whispers that like the Cavs might've been more willing to do some of that stuff. If LeBron was willing to commit more and LeBron wasn't willing to commit more because the Cavs weren't doing certain things that he was pushing for. And, you know, you know, chicken or the egg thing, like, you know, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Honestly, that pretty much perfectly encapsulates. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's easy to say now, like they screwed, they clearly lost to Kyrie Tread. There's no debate there, right? No one's, no one's going to argue mm-hmm. that. Um, I think it, it was probably one that at the time didn't look great and looks exponentially worse in hindsight, but I don't know. Are we in agreement that there probably isn't anything that they could have done to to make LeBron stay? Um, I certainly think that now more than I did, I would say, about 26 hours ago because when that news first broke that, you know, it was official he was going to the Lakers, I think the natural inclination, even though they had lost out on Paul George, was that, okay, they're still going to, find a way to put together a, a super team. I mean, they're the Lakers that this is what they do. They, they bring in stars. They brought LeBron. Um, they'll figure out a way to get the Kawhi trade done, which I still think by the way could happen um, more on that in a minute. But uh, everything that the Lakers have done since, uh, since a, the LeBron news broke, good God. Um, I, I, I know. Are I any of these remo- deals that we've seen, are there any of them more than a year? No, because you don't hear all these so. names, and we've we've sort of known all along. Like they're absolutely it, it's obviously nothing's guaranteed, but it's pretty damn close to guaranteed that if they want Kawhi next summer, they, they he's theirs, right? Um, right. And so all these contracts don't really matter. I don't know that there's anyone they can sign to be competitive this year, anyways. So they're going to sign a few guys that, yeah, let's be honest, Rondo and Lance Stevenson, and um, it's just incredible. Though. McGee, it's just a hodgepodge you, weirdos but I, I mean that's the thing though is like you know we heard the things we heard from LeBron in the second half of the season and into the playoffs were that he's still in championship mode going into next year and he's that, not next year let's be honest he's not well he still expects himself to be competing for championships that's what he said and the other thing he said was how much emphasis and how much value he places on high basketball IQ guys and then, like you said, they go and sign JaVale McGee and Lance Stevenson and, uh, you know, Rondo. And um, just from a fit perspective, it, it is the most bizarre collection of free agents I, I could possibly envision uh, to be joining a LeBron team. When you think of like the types of players that play best off of his skill set. Yeah, um, not to mention a LeBron and team almost, that, has, that has two guys who are currently engaged in a rap beef with each other. And LeVar Ball sitting in the stands. Right. And, you know, again, I don't want to go too far with this because we're a long way from opening night. So a lot could happen with their roster between now and then. Um, But at least the first uh, 24 hours or so have been incredibly bizarre for the way they've put that team together. And, you know, especially since we just found out that Boogie Cousins is going to the Warriors. Um it certainly seems like everybody else is punting at this point or, or playing for second. And the Lakers are probably punting on this upcoming season, but um, 
I don't know. The, the, at the same time, this is your six, this will be year 16 for LeBron. And I know he looks indestructible, but Father Time's undefeated. And he's only got so many years left. And I, you know, it was, I think it was Ramona Shelburne who had the story that said, you know, the Lakers, I think it was magic was meeting with LeBron over the weekend. And LeBron basically assured him, Hey, you don't this, I'm in this for the long haul. You don't need to be going and making some panic trade to try to win me over and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, the clock is ticking for his career, right? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, like you said, you're 15. He'll be 37, 38 when this contract's up. Um, yeah, I mean, of course the clock's ticking, but he's he hasn't slowed down a whole lot. Um, obviously, eventually that's going to happen, and it's going to be... I don't know if it's going to be super sudden, though. That's the thing. Like, there are certain guys like Kobe, for example. Um, he hit a wall, and he hit it quick, right? Like, he went from being a pretty dominant player to a year or two later, just garbage. Just, I, I know people will look at, like, his last season and try to make some excuses and all that shit. But he was he was bad. He was not a good player. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen to LeBron or not. It's certainly possible. But he seems... I don't know. He seems to be playing as well as we've ever seen him play, right? And he doesn't necessarily look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I guess. But you only get so many more shots at this thing. And... Yeah, oh, yeah. I agree. I think this... I do think for say that he plays four or five more years effectively, right? Maybe right. even more than say he plays at least 40 effectively. That's six more seasons. That's and a, that's an insanely long time to play, but that still only leaves him five or six seasons. And he's kind of punting on one as of right now. Like you said, obviously that's what things I'm saying. Change, but it, he has said repeatedly that his, his uh, he he feels his legacy is is solidified, and there that it's he doesn't need he doesn't need to stack rings, and he doesn't need to do, you know, a whole lot more to solidify his position long term and in, in his legacy. And clearly, he believes that because I don't think honestly, I don't think anything he does in L.A. is really going to help his legacy. I think from a basketball to, perspective, yeah, 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 because that's. Okay, because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was um, listening to the old uh, A to Z podcast on my drive home and uh, then at the gym today. Oh, second and... best, second best Cleveland <laughs> sports podcast. There you go. Hey, nothing, no shame in coming in second. Um, and they they had a really interesting point on this and that, you know, th- there's some history with Magic Johnson – wanting to basically be under the tutelage of Jerry Buss, the, uh, the, the owner of the Lakers once upon a time. And I believe it's his daughter who uh, owns the team now um, because Jerry Buss was a brilliant business guy and LeBron or uh, here I go. Magic wanted to be, you know, a, a businessman bigger than basketball and wanted to learn that. And it's kind of like now LeBron is going out there, uh, to you know, learn from magic, and it's it's for him. It's about you know, um, getting it and transitioning into the next phase of his life post basketball and all the things that he wants to be involved with after his playing career is over. 
And, um, you know, I could see that. And, you know, you asked me before about, um, I can't remember what the exact question was, but some of the effect of like, you know, with him leaving, I mean, you know, basketball related. I mean, I, if he wanted to go play strictly in the best basketball situation for himself and still make the most money, it was not going to the Lakers and it was probably not even staying with the Cavs. Um, so yeah, I, I think it feels pretty obvious that there had to be a lot more in play here than it was just strictly about, you know, being done with uh, the Cavs in their roster. Although how much do you, probably... how much do you think, um, how much do you think Dan Gilbert played into it? Cause I know he said back when he came, when he came back originally in his letter, he said, you know, sort of, it was, it was essentially water under the bridge and Dan Gilbert made a mistake and they're, they're fine now, whatever, you know, they, they've talked it out and all that stuff. There's still, are, are we in agreement that there's probably still some lingering, um, bad blood there and LeBron decided, you know what, I'm not going to continue to line your pockets. I mean, it's impossible for us to say that sitting where we are. Sure. You could certainly try to read the tea leaves. We're doing uh, a podcast here, Tino. So project <laughs> on me a little bit. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I certainly, it certainly seems like there's a lack of trust. I mean, the fact that he left the first time and signed a four-year contract with Miami comes back here, signs two years or one year, one year, two years. And then as soon as he leaves, he goes and signed four years somewhere else um, and immediately makes a point of making it known that he's in it for the long haul with them and, and that they don't have to, you know, it's basically a complete 180 from how he inter- interacted with management here. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, you know, think that everything was just all water under the bridge here. Um, certainly seems like there was, was pretty terrible too, right? Right. Yeah. I, I think that that started everything. I, I think, I mean, he was, LeBron was very public in um, on the record and saying that he thought what a great job uh, Dave Griffin had done in the front office for the Cavs and how he should be brought back. And, you know, instead he ends up being just the latest general manager who couldn't make it to a second contract uh, with the Cavs. Every single general manager for the Cavs has never made it to a second contract. And um, that goes from, uh, you know, Danny Ferry to, you know, Chris Grant, um, Griff, all of them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you, we've heard so much about how, you know, LeBron went to Miami. That was basically like, uh, almost like the, his college education and learning how a championship organization operates. And then he wanted to bring that here to Cleveland. And I, I wonder when all is said and done here now, like, looking back what he thinks about uh, the way things played out here, because the, you know, Miami and maybe they haven't been a title contender, but they've been a pretty stable organization. They were that way before LeBron arrived. They were that way for the most part when he was there and they've been that way since he left. And, you know, that very clearly has not been the Cavs. I mean, dysfunction is, you know, been, as much a part of the Cavs identity as anything else over the last four years, as much as their success has been. Yeah. I mean, when you look at how, um, I don't know if there's been a team that's been as dysfunctional and 
and simultaneously successful as the Cavs have been over the last four years. I can't really look at an instance. Um, so I, I don't know. There's only so much you can say about it. I guess it's one of those things. I, it's frustrating. I'm all, we're talking about all the moves now and what's going to happen with LeBron and who's going to join him in LA and then who's with the Warriors now and all this other stuff. I'm just thinking about how fucking bad it's going to be watching the Cavs next year. <laughs> like that's all I care about. I I told myself like originally, I'm like I will. I hope if LeBron leaves, the only hope I have is that he goes somewhere and builds a powerhouse of a team that can beat the Warriors. Because I'm never gonna fully. I can't really bring myself to fully hate LeBron, right? Because of what he did for 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 us and for the Cavs and all that. But I I. I can't bring myself to even tolerate the Warriors either. So it's like, hopefully he goes somewhere, joins forces with someone else and they can someone else or someone's else. Um, you want to see the remainder of his want, prime in right, good hands. You want to see it managed. Well, you want to see him playing his full potential, playing in games that matter and being a legitimate factor in, you know, in the league. I don't, it's not going to happen this year. At least is currently constituted. Yeah, if something crazy happens and they're able to. I, honestly, I think if even if they land Kawhi at this point, I don't think it's enough. But who knows? No. Um. But ultimately, it doesn't look like anyone's gonna contend. Um, with the Warriors, they basically swapped out Javale McGee for Boogie Cousins. It's like when they traded Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant. We saw how that worked, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. Although putting. Uh, JaVale McGee and Harrison Barnes in the same conversation is a severe disservice to Harrison Barnes. Um, it doesn't look Side like anyone's going to contend with them. What's that? JaVale McGee kind of killed the Cavs in the finals this year. In that one game. One game. <laughs> I mean, he had moments, but it, he, I mean, he wasn't sort of, he had that hilarious play though. That one missed dunk was one of the funniest plays I've ever seen. Right. Um, yeah. But, but no, he, yeah, he was, you, he did not play let's, down to his reputation. Let's be honest, though. You could have subbed any seven-footer in the league, and they would have done the exact same thing. He just ended up wide open with a handful of dunks. Like, he didn't do anything, really. He just went where he was supposed to be. He stood there. Cavs were all out on the perimeter, and he had wide open looks. Um, but, yeah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, so, it, it, it almost feels like a waste for LeBron to go somewhere to go somewhere else and it doesn't feel like he's going to be any closer. He's definitely going to be further, I think from winning a championship than he was last year. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, there was a path to the finals staying in the East. And by the way, my God, the, the imbalance Boston should of talent. steamroll everybody next year, right? Uh, Sixers are right there. They beat the um, Sixers in five without their two best players. Yeah, yeah, I I, I get that. Um, I mean, Sixers, I Sixers have a nice team, but I would be stunned if Boston didn't just roll over them. That's the team, by the way, that should be going all out to go get Kawhi. And, Sixers? You know, yes. And this notion that, oh, he says he's going to leave in a year. Well, Paul George said a year ago he was going to do that, and Oklahoma City trusted its culture to win him over, and it worked. Um, yeah, how maybe the hell did that work, by the way? You know what? And it just kind of twists the knife with the Cavs not being willing to pull the trigger on the trade for him. 
um, without any sort of assurances from LeBron uh, that much more because um, OKC was willing to gamble and they were willing to bet on on their culture and and their system and their organization being able to win a star player over like that when he had the opportunity to walk away from him. And it worked and, you know, I, they still need more, but uh, that's a huge win for them. And um, <laughs> all that instability, uh, it's it's a real thing in Cleveland. And I, you know, I, I think that that's one of those situations where that sort of thing matters. Um, so, yeah, I, getting back to the Sixers, I absolutely think they ought to be going after Kawhi. You know, you've, you've spent all this time building this, this team, um, you know, and it's survived a couple of regime changes now uh, for various reasons, but uh, I mean, they're, they're on the verge. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, especially if, I mean, you, you just look at it, like what great players are going from the West to the East right now. Yeah. That's sort of, that's a good point. And it doesn't, Every time there's totally a big sure move, it's, it. it's east to the west. Yeah. I mean, it was Jimmy Butler and Paul George last year. It's LeBron so far this year. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyrie moved, but it was who's you the know, best to a player new team in the, in the east? east. Right now, who's the best player in the Is east? Is it Kyrie? Um, it's probably Kyrie or Embiid, right? I was going to say Embiid. You're not going to sell there. me on DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know he might. No, not DeRozan. Um Giannis I, uh, up in the Milwaukee. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the mantle's open. Somebody if can you're, go up there. And, if and, you're if you're going down the list of the best players in the NBA, what number do you get to before you hit the Eastern Conference? Oh yeah, ten, eleven. Right. So um, yeah, it, it's just it's incredible to me how it just keeps shifting further and further. Um, and you would just think at some point somebody would kind of get the idea that, hey, I can go the other direction and have a much clearer path through all of this. And um, I don't know, maybe that's that's the next uh, one of these teams that, uh, you know, formulates or whatever. But I don't know, man. In the meantime, um, you know, it's it's crazy. I keep saying that the Cavs want to try to um, not tank. They want to compete oh, for a God, playoff no. spot. Please don't do this. <laughs> Please don't do this to me. I don't I, like rooting for my teams to win or to lose, but it's the only way in the NBA. To a degree, I can appreciate that they don't want to go through what they went through in those early years post-LeBron of – Joey Graham and Semi Erden and Ryan Hollins and um, God Ryan you know, Hollins. Alonzo. By the way, he's getting a fair amount of airtime on the old Four Letter Network. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. I'm glad he's made himself useful now because he was the biggest waste of seven feet I've ever seen in my life uh, as as far as players go. Yeah, whoever watched him play and thought, yeah, I bet this guy would be good at talking about basketball. Seven feet gives you, uh, well, you know, I mean, seven feet gives you a lot of chances in the NBA, and I'm going to leave it at that with him. But, um, you know, they, they had so many guys that they ran through in those early years while they were just trying to accumulate assets, guys that just had no NBA future whatsoever. And it was obvious from the minute they stepped on the floor, they had no NBA futures. Whereas like now I feel like you're in a position where you've got guys 
that maybe aren't good enough to go out and really contend for a playoff spot on their own, but they're guys that could be legitimate NBA guys. They could be useful in the right situation. We saw them have some success. I mean, Jetty Osmond, I think, has a, a really good future with the Cavs. Um, Larry Nance, assuming they get get his contract worked out here, which it sounds like they want to give him an extension, I think, um, and they want to keep him here long term. That's another guy I think uh, can be uh, really useful. I mean, hopefully uh, Colin Sexton, who they just drafted. Um, you know, I was kind of not overwhelmed when I, you know, heard about him at first. Um, the limited knowledge I have, but I mean, I've kind of read about him. It certainly seems like mentally he's got the makeup to, you know, be an interesting guy out there. I mean, um, you know, you, you have hope for guys like that. Um, so I, I think there is a way you could go out there and get those guys, you know, some meaningful minutes, develop them and still not win a ton of games. Um, Kevin Love, I mean, I appreciate everything he's done over the last four years. He's not in long-term plans for this team. And I think it's silly for anybody to pretend that he is. I know the Cavs say they're not shopping him, and they plan to keep him. They should be. And I don't believe them. Yeah, I was going to say, I I fully believe that they're saying that, that they're not shopping him, and I don't believe for a minute that they actually mean it. Um, I think that's all posturing uh, to try to drive up their leverage and trades because everybody's coming to them right now, probably look at them thinking like, well, you're in rebuild mode. We're going to lowball you while you just try to sell off all your assets or pennies on the dollar. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like they're they're they should be in rebuild mode and they should be getting rid of pieces like Kevin Love. Um, but they got to get the right value for him. They don't just get rid of him to get rid of him. I think right. they need to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he'll be traded before the season starts, but even if he's not, you've still got until the trade deadline, you know, maybe they give it 50 games or whatever to kind of see what their team looks like, or maybe fewer than that now, because they moved the deadline up. But, um, you know, they want to try to evaluate. I, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world to have some veterans in the locker room to try to keep, you know, some semblance of a, uh, you know, winning culture, you know, because for all the, Kev's faults over the like the years, they did win a lot of games. Um, you know, and and I think having guys who've kind of established reputations as being professional, like a Kevin Love or a, a Kyle Korver, even Tristan, uh, I, I, um, you know, I, I think guys like that have some value. But yeah, I, th- there are no sacred cows on this roster from here on out. I mean, it, it's nobody, none of those veterans that were part of the championship. And there's only three of them left now, which is amazing because it was only two years ago. But none of those three guys are still going to be here the next time the Cavs are going to be in contention, whenever that is. If I told you, I don't know, 12 months ago, say just before the Kyrie trade, before the Kyrie trade talk started. So, yeah, a year from now, the only guy that's going to be left is Kevin Love. You just said I'm crazy. He's been been talking about trading him for the last three years. Somehow he's the one that made it through all this. Yeah, I mean, I think like trade rumors around Kevin Love started at his introductory press conference with the Cavs. Um, it's it's unbelievable, and especially with how rocky that first year was, and we weren't even sure he was going to sign a new contract here. There was like real concern that he was going to leave after the first year. So, um, yeah, that of the, that big three that he's the guy left is is kind of amazing. Yeah, kind of funny. I mean, I don't know. He's 
he, I liked him a lot when he was in Minnesota, and clearly he was part of the championship team, so he'll always be one of those guys that you love for whatever reason. But I don't know. I earned a lot of respect from him uh, the last, I don't know, two, three years. Just the way he always went about his business, always played played his ass off, even when he was taking a lot of shit and he wasn't necessarily playing that well and people were talking about shipping him off for whoever. He just kind of went out and went about his business and, and seemed to really enjoy playing for the team. So he's one of those guys I'll always, I'll always like. But yeah, they need to do him a favor, do yourselves a favor, send him somewhere else where he can play meaningful games and yeah, make that's sure the that that top to 10 this, pick. I, I think they're going to, I do think they're going to trade him. And I do think they're going to try to do right by him and send him to a good destination, whether that's Portland, because that's the area that he's from, or, you know, to a, a team that's in contention. Although I don't really know off the top of my head, trade who's got assets that would make sense for the Cavs in return. You know, it's kind of funny if you put him on a team with Damian, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McConnell. McCollum, yeah. McCollum, sorry, yeah. Um, that team should be scary good. No one cares about them in the West. <laughs> like the West is brutal. On the surface, it's that sounds team. like a really good team, and they're not even going to be at the conversation. No, no, that's it's, it's that's just what the Warriors have done to everybody. I think. Right. Yeah. Oh, strange days, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know. We haven't. We didn't even talk about the draft, did we? No. Do you care at all? Do you have any feelings about Colin Sexton? No. Okay. Not not right, not cool. beyond the the thirty seconds I you know. <laughs> I like that. Gave you. I mean, I, I like that. Do we talk about the draft? No. Do you have any feelings in, about it? No. No. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to fake it. I, I I don't. I I thought there was a legitimate chance that they were going to trade that pick. Um still of the mindset that, you know, there was possibilities of them reworking their roster uh, to keep the contention window open. Um, but, uh, you know, once they did draft him and there was the immediate push on on social media from all of the accounts, all the people that are affiliated with the Cavs, it was like a full-on welcome Colin Sexton and, and just the depth that they were going into and talking him up. I said, yeah, there's no way they're trading this guy. The, 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 this is, you know, we're turning the page here. Um, whether it's him with LeBron here or not. Um, yeah. It became very obvious to me. This guy's part of the Cavs going forward. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't really pay attention I mean, that much to college. I mean, I was fully invested in in the NBA the last few years. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested now to, to see what he's got. I The uh, the clip I saw of him talking trash to, uh, was it uh, Penny Hardaway? Or, uh, or no, who, who was it? Did you see this? Uh, I don't believe so. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm, this is killing me because – Someone, their their son was playing in a tournament against Colin Sexton, and, and it was a former NBA player. And Sexton like walked up the floor and looked at the guy and said, "Your son is trash. He's trash." Like just had no problem, just shit talking an NBA guy. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I mean, brassy. Uh, 
and you know, that's just kind of in, you know, I was kind of reading up on him a little bit after afterwards. And, uh, you know, it's, it certainly seems like he's got the dog in him, which is good. Um, I, I think the Cavs could use that. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's gonna be a long road back. <laughs> Cavs yeah, might have the highest of intentions of trying to stay competitive, but, uh, or maybe they're just publicly putting up a good face, but I, I think you and I are both in agreement that we know what's really coming here. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a rough few years. Um, and who knows? I mean, next year probably have to guarantee themselves that they get in the top ten so they can hold on to that draft pick. Um, I think it's top ten protected, right? Is that what I saw? Right, right. Um, so that's big, obviously. Um, they, I don't know. They just need to be realistic with where they are. I think you can't, you can't, I don't know. You can't put lipstick on the pig, I guess, in this case and try to try to make it into something it isn't because sneaking in, I don't know, theoretically they could sneak in and get the eight seed in the East, right? What the hell is that going to do for you long-term? I don't, nothing. I don't, I don't think they could if they wanted to, to be honest You don't think so? You. you don't think with no. Kevin Love they could? Uh, East is pretty bad. Although Indy was, you, was who was the eight seed last year? It wasn't Indy. Who was the eight seed last year? Um, Boston playing the first round. Uh, Washington. Yeah. Okay. They're not anywhere near as good as Washington, but Washington wasn't as bad as their record either. But I know right. what you're saying. It would be a struggle, but the East is pretty, pretty bad, especially in the middle there. Yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, they could. Let's say that they could. Just humor me here. Say they play above their heads a little bit and they get in. What good does that do them? Would you enjoy that, watching them get their asses kicked? The eight seed was, yeah, eight seed was Washington. Yeah, the Raptors were the one. <laughs> oh, God. A simpler time. Um. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they need to strip it down, get as many assets as they can. Sort of, they, I mean, they kind of need to follow the Sixers playbook. And wow. That's, that's going to include I don't know if a I lot go to those of steps. really bad basketball. I do think they're going to find a way to finesse another first-round pick out of what they have and what they're going to try to trade off or who they're going to try to trade off here um, between now and the deadline in February. Uh, I think trying to just – I think that'll be the start of it. Um whether they do keep that other their their own first rounder or whether that gets sent to Atlanta, um, I, I do think the Cavs will have a first rounder somewhere, possibly two. So, um, yeah, and God, I just I hope these young guys, man, they're they're gonna get their shot now, and you know it's gonna be a lot different looking team. They're gonna be set up a lot differently. They're gonna look a lot different schematically. Um, you know, everything's not gonna be for you know LeBron and shooters. Uh, you know. Um, so we'll see, man. I don't know, but uh, yeah. In the meantime, Indians <laughs> roll damn. Drive. I'm not ready to pay attention to baseball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah I like just kind of in a broader perspective. Like, where are you at as a Cleveland sports fan now? I mean, like ever since we started this, I'm all in on the Indians. I'll be honest with you. Next March, April, May. This podcast is going to suck. 
I'm just going to be honest with everybody listening right now. It is going to be brutal to listen to. It's going to be different because, I, I mean, we started this in October of 15. That was right at the start of the Cavs championship season. And, you know, we're always pretty heavy on the Buckeyes and college football in the fall. And, you know, we've always had the, you know, the Indians through the late summer. And, I mean, really half the year it's been mostly a Cavs podcast. I'm not – I don't have it in my stomach. If they go to the, the deepest depths of tanking, I – I don't know no, that I I'm have not that gonna, I'm not going to get on. No offense. I love you, Tino. I'm not going to get on here with you every week. <laughs> Break down. Um, I don't know how Jetty Osmond played the night before. I, I, I don't have it. <laughs> I don't. No one wants that. We're going to have to really dig into like, the pop culture stuff, I think, probably. Follow the Kardashians around a little bit. Oh, just put a Tristan's fucking bullet in my head. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I know there's people out there that that are super diehard about. I just, I can't do it. I'll watch. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll watch. Yeah, but I'll I'm not. In. I'm not going to be formulating opinions just for I'll the sake in. of of having opinions. How um, many games I, will? You, how many games will you watch all the way through? Cavs next year. Yeah, you'll put it on because it's on TV. But you're not staying up to watch them. Um, most of them. Get I, out I of still here. will. I will tell you what, man, it it was not until the fourth year of the last LeBron, uh, you know, the last time LeBron wasn't here. It wasn't until the fourth year that I think they finally broke me with, um, you know, because that season actually started with a little bit of hope with some of the guys they signed. They were like, yeah, well, this is the year we're going to really gun for the playoffs. And they just fell flat on their face and fired their GM in the middle of the year. And I think that was also the year that the Lakers won the game playing with fewer than five players, right? And uh, Chris yeah. Anderson was like sprawled out on the bench sleeping or whatever. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Yeah, so yeah, that sounds right. Um, it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot to drive me away from completely watching or completely not watching the Cavs or whatever. So you know what's gonna be somewhat entertaining though is the we saw it a little bit last year when LeBron would make pretty impressive plays and he drive to the basket and he kick out to like Jr. Or Corver, or one of those guys, one of those shooters, and they'd miss, and he he kind of look a little frustrated that they missed, and he made a really good play and got got. Him. That's going to be fantastic when he's dishing out to Lance Stevenson and and <laughs> Lonzo Ball. Um, that's going to be must see TV and Rajon Rondo. I'm annoyed that like all his games are going to be at 10:30 now. Yeah, I mean they're going to be on TV, that national TV, as much as they possibly can. Obviously, I mean it's LeBron and it's the Lakers, and you know, it's going to be those West Coast hip times and the TNT games never start at 1030. So it'll be like 10 minutes to 11. I, I God damn, I don't I don't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm with I, you. I, I got to get up in the morning. I, you know, the nine uh, o'clock playoff games were brutal enough. Yeah. I mean, at least those, you know, those have stakes and and yeah, you you're, stay you're up amped you up for that, them, but. Much later than that, man. I don't. I can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be weird. Oh well. All right. Go? All right. Take it home. All right. So, um, as always, you can subscribe to the Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Google put out uh, the new podcast uh, listening app that uh, I've heard is actually kind of decent. Um, we're also on Stitcher, and we are now 
Trev. I don't know if I told you this. We're now on TuneIn as well. Oh, yeah. So we're killing it. The first 50, uh, the, all 15 people that are using the TuneIn app, um, we're on there now as well. So uh, you can... Hold it. I use the TuneIn app every single day. No joke. Really? Every single day. Well, you can now listen to us on there because we're, we're, uh, we're on hey, TuneIn. Um, you can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. And by the way, up there now, or by the time you're listening to this, uh, going to have a story from the Associated Press today. Uh, the great Tom Withers of the AP was, uh, walking around town, uh, around the, uh, the queue, getting the, the feel for the city and just how people are feeling in the day after LeBron's departure. And, uh, he interviewed me. So, uh, you can see me quoted extensively by the Associated Press. Um, that story is on our Facebook page. <clears throat> if you're streaming us on your desktop, go listen to us on, uh, waitingfornextyear.com. All right, Sharon, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, working on some good guests uh, for the uh, the rest of the summer here. I know you and I were talking off air before we started uh, rolling here. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know uh, it's going to be some strange days for Cleveland sports, but uh, we do have some fun stuff lined up. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we'll see where it goes, man. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, Travis Julie, I am Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.